You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I am joined by Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl. He's also a draft analyst with ESPN. He was an NFL scout for 18 years. He knows his stuff and he provides terrific insight into some quarterbacks who are at the Senior Bowl, including Mac Jones, as well as a number of other positions that should interest you, receiver, offensive line, among them. Plus, he shares some insight on two guys he knows well from the past because they were at the Senior Bowl, Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. Some good stuff there, folks. Anyway, as far as receiver offensive line, those are going to be targets for Washington, so pay attention. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Nagy, N-A-G-Y underscore S-B. You can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the options Washington has at quarterback. I do know there were five quarterbacks they were studying I just don't know which five those are. Some are educated guesses. Deshaun Watson's on anybody's list. Derek Carr, I do believe, is on Washington as well. Jack Del Rio coached him for three years and had a good relationship with him. Plus, he's pretty good. I also, I don't know if they're, they're going to trade him or not. I think they only trade him if they can get Deshaun Watson. So I think that's probably not something that's going to happen because I think the, the first domino is Houston has to accept the fact that they're going to have to trade Watson. Anyway, I also believe Sam Darnold is on that list. Nobody has directly told me that in Washington's front office, so don't take that as a report. I've had multiple people in the NFL say that's the guy they would target because of his age, the situation he's been in, and the fact that they liked him coming out of college, that they, meaning these people, liked him coming out of college and are still high on him. With Darnold, so much will depend on how they view, how the Jets view the draft and if they can get someone they like as much at number two, or maybe somehow entice Houston again to trade Deshaun Watson. Um, Donald's fifth-year option is due in 2022, so there's not much time to determine if he's the guy or not. New York has a chance to get something for him now if they're not sold on him. As you could tell from my interview on the last episode, Washington will not mortgage the future. However, that could mean different things to different people. I've been told that Ron Rivera is serious about not wanting to give away all their assets just to get one guy. And again, that's what he said on the last podcast. Go give it a listen if you haven't heard it. However, they also know two things. If they get the right guy without having to give up players with their young core, those first round picks would be late first round picks. And they also know they likely will have to trade one of their defensive linemen in coming years and can recoup picks that way. Doesn't mean something's going to happen, but I do know that's one view because when you're going through these scenarios, if you're a franchise, you go through every single scenario and that's one. However, that also assumes all going well. And as we know, that rarely happens in the NFL to teams other than New England, at least pre-2020. But keep this in mind too. Rivera is tight with Andy Reid. The Chiefs were aggressive pursuing their quarterback after they went 12-4 with Alex Smith. 
Then they, of course, made an aggressive play to trade up and get Patrick Mahomes, but they had the roster around him. So that's another option. Washington could easily build up more of the offense. Again, receiver, offensive line, roll with a starter who could serve as a bridge guy, whoever that may be, and then try again next year. Again, one other thing, and I said this last time, they could also trade back in the first round and recoup, maybe get another pick, maybe for next year, that they can have if they need to make that play. So that's just something to keep in mind. And I keep telling the Taylor Heineke fans, great story, but all he did was guarantee himself a chance in training camp to compete for a roster spot and possibly the backup job. I've yet to talk to anyone in the NFL who views him as some hidden gem who could now be their answer. No, he's viewed as a good story who made himself money by his play and who warrants a chance in training camp. He's still viewed as a backup, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that considering a little more, a little more than two months ago, he was taking classes at ODU because he hadn't played in the NFL in two years. So th- if nothing else, what he got was an opportunity. Where he takes it, I don't know. But you can't go into the offseason. You can't go in there to now thinking that, oh, now the problem's solved. Listen, if he goes out in training camp and becomes you know, something that we just didn't see over an extended time, not just for a game and a half, that's fantastic. But you cannot absolutely plan for that right now. Anyway, before I get to Jim Nagy, I also want to address two more things. The NFL Awards, actually there's two people in the NFL Awards. First, Chase Young deserved that Rookie Defensive Player of the Year honor. Of course, other rookies played well, Jeremy Chin, Antoine Winfield Jr., but Young did what is really hard to do. He lived up to expectations and, in some cases, exceeded them. He was a young stud who was deferential to veterans and learned from them. He became a leader without trying to become one or stating that it was his goal. It was just his nature. And he finished strong as he became a better pass rusher, more consistent. I know Ron Rivera says nobody is untouchable. Again, listen to the interview last time. But Young is the only one on this roster that comes close. He'll be elite at his position for a while. Now, number two, Alex Smith, of course, deserved his Comeback Player of the Year award. I know Ben Roethlisberger received one vote out of 50, it's kind of silly to think Smith wouldn't be unanimous given his journey. There was doubt he'd even come back. Excuse me, there was doubt he'd even have his leg, for goodness sake. But whatever, Smith defined the comeback of the year journey. His comeback will be remembered far longer than any almost anyone else's in a long, long time. That's what made it so unique. From my perspective, I'm telling you, there were always doubts in the organization about his ability to come back. But nobody ever said he'll never play again. I think they were afraid to say that. It was always what doctor would clear him, or it's hard to imagine, but. And the most common phrase I always heard was, well, if anyone can do it, it's Alex. I have to admit, each step I doubted him. I didn't think he'd be cleared, mainly because people in the organization didn't think he'd be cleared. I didn't think he'd make the roster because I was hearing that they'd seriously consider him for injury reserve. And then, of course, he talked his way off that. Because he was healthy. And and why would you put him on IR? That was his thinking. I didn't think he'd get back on the field. But if Dwayne Haskins had done his job, or if Kyle Allen had not gotten hurt, he wouldn't have. But fate intervened, and Washington made the playoffs because of it. If people just focus on his stats to measure his effectiveness, they're looking at the wrong things. Sometimes there's just a guy that people respond to and want on the field because they trust him. That was Alex. In the future, Washington needs more high-level quarterback play. But for this year, when it was as much about laying the foundation for a new regime as, as anything, Smith was a gift. He also helped do the unthinkable. He helped make Washington a franchise 
people outside of this fan base could actually root for. His comeback helped lead to Washington's. For what it's worth, I do think he wants to keep playing. The question will be, where? Don't know yet if he'll be here or not. But as a reporter, I'm glad I had a front row seat to this comeback. It was a terrific and heartwarming story to cover. Well, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Jim Nagy, the Senior Bowl Director, as we discuss some options for Washington quarterback, tackle, and receiver, among other positions of interest. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Senior Bowl Director Jim Nagy. Well, Jim, coming off the Senior Bowl, I think the first thing I want to ask you is how difficult was it to put it on this year? I saw it was like 3,635 tests, one positive, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. How hard and how different was it this year for you? Yeah, it was a challenging year, um, to say the least, but but very rewarding. Um, I would say that now that we're through it, um, people yeah, yeah. people started to, to pat us on the back in the middle of game week last week. And I'm like, no, 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 let's wait till game day. Let's get through this. But no, I mean, the, the nice thing was we had a lot of time to come up with contingency, contingency plans for the, for the game and, and we were still in COVID mode. And then we were. Um, and then the, the key thing was just staying kind of agile and fluid with it. And, and that was really right up until game week. Um, once we got the Panthers and the Dolphins staffs involved, you know, they had a couple suggestions on what they thought we could tweak. And we we put those things into place. And so to get through the week and have everyone healthy and like you said, only the one positive test um, out of thirty six hundred plus. Um, it was great. We, we, we couldn't be more happy. What did you hear from scouts? Because this is such an unusual year that they're not going to have a chance to be around guys. So how, what did you hear from them compared to years past about the value of the event this year? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's great value in the game every year. I wouldn't be sitting in this Absolutely. It's an easy sell for me because I've been on the other side and I know what I took from the senior bowl experience, but uh, yeah, of course um, the, the spring is, is, it's going to look very different this year with the, with the combine being canceled. Um, pro days really kind of being up in the air. I, I think uh, at the minimum, these players are going to be on campus being, you know, run through the drills by their coaching staffs. Um, the NFL might be in attendance to time of 40 and watch the workouts, but I don't think it's going to be a setting where they're going to be face to face and doing interviews as they were here in Mobile. Um, so we, you know, myself, coach Flores um, and coach rule, we, we told the players on, at orientation on the first night, like you, the 135 guys in this room have a big leg up on the rest of the draft class because you're the only ones are, that, that might have, you know, live exposure yeah. and it's decision makers too. And again, like a lot of these guys that are GMs now are guys I came into the league with and they're, you know, so they're my contemporaries, they're friends of mine, but they're just normal guys. They're just, it's human. Right. We all want to surround ourselves with people we're familiar with. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, we have a good handle on. So um, I really do feel like this week-long exposure helped those players a lot. There are a couple of guys I want to ask you before going forward who have made a mark with Washington this year and last year who played in the Senior Bowl. And I'm curious what your memories are of them. First, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, absolutely. No, Terry's been – it's been awesome seeing Terry. One, because he was a great story coming out of the week. Um, you know, I really invited him that year based off his special teams tape. Yeah could see his speed as a gunner on punt team and his relentlessness. And you saw all what Terry was made of on special teams. You don't see many receivers as, as seniors running down and just like throwing their body around and being reckless and giving it all for their team. But there wasn't enough balls to go around in Columbus, you know, and as there usually isn't in most. Right. Got so much skill talent. But um, so to get him here 
And then he, it was basically uncoverable all week. He was turning people inside out, you know, as a route runner, he caught everything, uh, just looked so explosive. So to see him go from probably coming into the week, I didn't talk to any team that I'm higher in the fifth round. Most teams had him in the sixth. Um, you know, see him go all the way up to the third was, was great. And in hindsight, now he probably should have been a one um, based on right. what he's done the last two years for for the Washington team. So um, and then and then that on top of that, like the type of person Terry is. And I said it, um, I posted something on Twitter right after game week that this guy could be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company someday. Hmm. Like impressed I was just spending a week with him. So um, the great thing is Terry's been awesome with it with the game the last couple of years. He's he spoke to our players this year on a on a hmm. on a Zoom thing that the NFL League office set up. Um, you know, and then Antonio Gibson was was a, a you know a great one this year. Antonio was a guy that, you know, watching the Memphis tape, I really felt like he could be an average NFL receiver, you know, somewhere in a like mm-hmm. mid-day three receiver. But, you know, as a running back, you saw how strong he was with the ball in his catch. I'm like, what's this going to look like as a full-time running back? Now, they they gave him some carries at Memphis, but very spot. Right. Um, you know, the thing to, to Antonio last year was come down here, do it for a week, let these guys really see you settle in at running back and see what your vision's like, see what your run instincts are like. Um, and then he got in the game and had a big game. So um, to see him have success, I think Thanksgiving Day, I got to sit back and watch that game and mm. see him do, you know, have a, have a great year. So that that was great, too. And then a guy like Montez Sweat has done great yeah. for the Washington football team as well. So um, we've had a nice little pipeline the last couple of years up there. You have. And with Antonio, when you saw that, like what traits did you see in him as a running back or as a runner that you thought like would translate really? And you talked about the power. But what other things did you see that said, OK, you could make a mark here because that's yeah, why I mean, that's every team was looking at him like that. Yeah. You know, again, he was a very productive receiver, but that's become such a dime a dozen position now. Um, you know, every, every college team has a receiver or two that puts up a bunch of big numbers, but you know, it was really the run after the catch stuff. You know, when he got in the open field, you saw the mm-hmm. run and feel for feel for defenders and leverage and setting things up. Um, you saw the power just to run through people and power through contact and the, the aggressiveness, you know, the aggressiveness with the ball in his hands to finish runs. So then it was just getting him down here. And how well does he see it from behind the line of scrimmage? That was the biggest key. And that's why I felt like he needed that full week of exposure and in the game. Because, you know, we don't tackle to the ground in practice down here. We right. try to guys up and, and not bang them too much. So the game was huge. And he got in the game and, and ripped off some, some really nice runs. And, uh, again, they got him in the third round last year, I think, in a couple of years in hindsight. It's gonna. It's probably gonna look like they got a real a real steal there as well. Are there some guys that you look at after last week who you felt like helped them in the way those two did? Um, gosh, probably too many to talk about. I mean, we could really go, we could probably go down. It's a it's a fair question, but we could really go down probably every position group. Um, I think a guy that comes to mind is Trey McKitty, the tight end from Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's a big time recruit coming out of high school. Went to Florida State. Um, didn't catch the ball a lot there. So he grad transfers to Georgia and they didn't really get him that involved in the past game either. Uh, but he is a, he's a specimen. He's a great looking buff. Right. He's got like 11 inch hands. So he just swallows the football. He had four or five one handed catches this week during the, during the practice week. Uh, but he's a big guy that can get open. He can separate, he can catch it. Um, he's just a really good athlete and he'll block you. So, I think Trey's one of those guys as a scout. A lot of times you go into draft meetings and you say, you make the comment that this guy's going to be a better pro than he was a college player. Right. Try to frame it and sell it. 
Um, and I think a lot of a lot of guys are going to be going to meetings this year saying that about Trey McKitty. But again, we could probably go up and down the line of guys that really help themselves. There's there's always the small school, right? So you right. talk two guys on the offensive line, Quinn Miners, a division. You made a lot of noise from from Wisconsin Whitewater, David Moore from Grambling. These are two kids that played, you know, FCS ball and D3 ball, had never snapped a ball between their legs their entire lives. Hmm. I'm setting. It's one thing to be out on a practice field and doing it. It's another it's another thing to get that snap hand up, right. get back in position, um, you know, and really fit a block and maintain a block. So for those guys to do it and both be voted on by their peers as practice players of the week on the O-line, voted on by that team's defensive line they went up against all week in practice, I think speaks volumes of, of where their peers see them. And uh, so those are probably another two guys that really, really helped themselves. How about like one of the things that Washington's going to need are some receivers. And you, have, There's a good crop of receivers coming out this year, a bunch of them where they're down there too. Who were some of the receivers that jumped out to you and why? Yeah, D. Eskridge from Western Michigan right yeah. off the bat, a couple of days. He, I mean, I think he won every single one-on-one rep. And uh, <laughs> he was one of our biggest risers from junior tape to senior tape. Uh, super explosive playing in the Mac there at Western Michigan um, was playing at a whole different speed than everyone else. So yeah, I was like, okay, was that just the Mac or what, what's that going to look like against guys from the SEC? And, and uh, again, he, I mean, the speed was real. I mean, this, you could feel it on the field. I mean, the speed is real. He's explosive. And then a guy like, to me, he's kind of the opposite, um, you know, of Antonio Gibson this year was Demetric Felton, the, the like UCLA. So you know, he got the he got the share of his work this year in the backfield for UCLA over the course of his career, too. But I said, Dimitri, you come here and you play slot all week. You play receiver. Show them what you can do in the pass game. I've seen you run routes out of the backfield. Let's see you do that out of the slot um, more than you did this year. He did he did some more as a junior. Um, but to be come down here as a full-time receiver, again, he got voted wide receiver of the week on that uh, national team by the corners of that team. Um, says a lot. He had a great week all week, and then he gets in the game, scores a touchdown. So I really feel like Felton is going to be a guy that uh, you know is going to ha- have the same impact as Antonio had last year in the sense mm. that you know he could go in the third round, label him what you want. I mean, I think he can be a legit third down running back. I think he can be a legit slot, uh, but he's going to be an offensive weapon for somebody. And like th- this is a team that likes that kind of versatility too. So the way they use J.D. McKissick, the way they use Antonio – I think that's yeah. a, that's a guy like he's got that Swiss Army knife versatility that would be good. What about you know again? Quarterback is always in demand. Mac Jones is a guy that he's going to get a lot of attention. It's funny because you watch him in college and and they they are so good at scheming you at Alabama and they have a lot of talent and a lot of times for him it was about math. If the numbers are here, you go here. If the numbers are here, you do you're going to run the ball right. But he's also accurate. And he makes good decisions. So what did you see from him? And there were a lot of talent on him. So there's all sorts of things to analyze with him. What did you see last week? Because he did get a lot of praise during the week. Yeah, yeah. Mac had a great week. You know, some of the quarterbacks, it's a, it's a slow buildup for him because, you know, coming down here, they're used to reading cue cards with like Mickey Mouse, and, <laughs> right. you know, a popsicle on, on, the, on a cue card or something. But so to come down here and hear it from a coach, go in the huddle, spit the verbiage out, get to the line, get under center. I mean, those things are foreign to a lot of these guys. But but Matt came in, with, really hit the ground running on Tuesday and had three, three really good days of practice. Um, you know, he wanted to play in the game. He dressed out. He was going to go if someone got hurt. 
but he rolled his ankle on Thursday um, of practice week, and he yeah. already had a deep um, bone bruise from the national championship game on the other leg. So he's down here with like two bad wheels. We didn't want to put him out there unless he had to, um, but he's, he's super competitive. And I think where he stood out was just how quickly he processed and got rid of the football where I think you probably saw some guys early in the week holding it and holding it and holding it, wait for things to clear and open up and see that clear picture. Like Mac was getting the ball out of his hand fast. And like you talked about his accuracy, the guy can put it where he wants to put it. He's maybe not like that prototype guy that the league, like now what's become prototype. I think you find that dual threat, you know, but five years ago, Mac would have been talked about as the prototype, right? But he's got such good feel in the pocket. Um, he maneuvers around there so well. Like he doesn't have to be any, and he can see it and get rid of it. He's not a guy that has to move around and buy a bunch of extra time because his brain's so quick. So right. uh, he had a great week. I think is very similar to Daniel Jones um, in the sense that you know probably came down here as a late one, early two, somewhere in that range. And uh, he saw the opportunity to maybe jump guys like Trey Lance at North Dakota State and Zach right. Wilson at U. You know, guys that didn't have the chance to come down here and be around the NFL guys for a week. Max saw that as an opportunity, and he came down here and, and he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he had he had a really good week. And like I said, you go back and watch him, and while there's a lot of things that Alabama gives you an advantage from, there's a lot of things that he offers too. What about Sam? Guys like Sam Ellinger, Kellen Mond. How did you see those guys progressing and you know throughout the week? And and your thoughts on them? Yeah, back to Mac real quick. I I love that everyone's knocking Mac for his supporting cast this year, but we didn't hear that last year with Tua, did we? And Tua, no, no, I know that. Yeah. And Tua had Rugs and Judy with him. Yeah, know? yeah. And 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 Mac played half the year without Jalen Waddle. So I again, I just back he did up. a good job. I'm I'm not a real fan of that whole. Um, he had too many skilled people around him thing because we we had it with Tua too. But um, yeah, Sam and Sam and Kellen did a great job as well. Um, I thought Sam came into the week and I told him this when he got down here. Very similar range to like where. Um, where Dak Prescott was in Jalen Hurts last year when they came mm-hmm. to the Senior Bowl, you know, probably in that early day three conversation. Good size, strong, good athlete, can run it. Um, obviously a winner, a leader, but people question maybe the passing skill set a little bit. Um, but I thought Sam had a really, really good week. He had a really unfortunate drop in the game on a scramble play where he put it on the money down the field and uh, the receiver dropped the ball. They, you know, But he, he had a good week, and Kellen Mond really – um, got better as we went. And even in the game, because Mac didn't play, he got two full quarters right. of work. And, uh, you know, the first half wasn't as great. You know, it was a little bit of a slow start. And then the second half, he came out and settled in and got sharp. And uh, one thing he can do, he can really drive the football. And you saw that on the touchdown throw to Amari Rogers. He can fit yeah. it in to fit it in. Um, so, and then he, you know, he got one in with his legs. So he, he is kind of that dual threat that everyone's looking for. So he reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick coming out. Hmm terms of a skill set you know he's fast he's got a hose for an arm he's big um can he put all those tools together and make it work which that was the that was my issue with cap coming out of out of reno um was that he had all these individual parts right and right. he had like a wonderlick score but it, it was really inconsistent in and i think jim harbaugh did a great job of pulling that all together for 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 cap now can someone in the nfl do it with kellen and uh, i think the way he ended the game some teams are going to be really intrigued and, you know, like going back to the whole quarterback thing, it's always to me, it's always about the traits more than everything else around them, because you could have great talent and not have the traits and you can have these great numbers. But if you don't have the traits, 
you're not going to have it. But if you have the traits and you have that great talent, it equals really good things for that team, which is why you saw Alabama explode on my alma mater in the national championship game, you know? So, and I, you know, so that's always to me, the way I look at it. What about offensive tackle? Well, this will be the last spot I want to ask you about, because you had the North Dakota state kid down there too. Um, is it Dylan Radon, right? Um, yeah. What did you, what did you think of him last week? Uh, he was our overall practice player of the week. Um, we, th we thought he was the best guy down here last week, hands down. Um, but it was a good position group. You got guys like James Hudson in Cincinnati that I think's got a chance to go in the late first round. He's going to rise throughout this process, um, kind of a kind of a late bloomer. But Dylan had a great week. I don't think he had a loss in one on ones. The guy was lights out. Um, he's got one of those really great body types too, where he could move in and play guard. You know, like mm -hmm. some guys are some tackles are too long levered. And from a leverage perspective, they just wouldn't fit inside. I think Dylan could play in there if he needed to. Uh, but I think his futures is a left tackle. He he had an outstanding week. Yeah, and I think these this team will be looking for a left tackle for sure. And that's why I think he's got to be on anybody's list if you want to sure. get a guy like that. And at that position, um, line, any linebackers, you know, I jump out there, like, you know, especially inside. Anybody stand out to you there? Yeah, you know, Chas Surratt, in the couple of days he was out there, he hurt his back in a pass rush drill at the end of the uh, second day of practice, the linebacker from North Carolina. I think I think uh, Chaz is exactly what the league's looking for right now in that in that stack backer that can play in space and stay on the field all three downs. You know, former quarterback, really good athlete. The linebacker stuff is really coming quick to him, too. I um, mean, he's not like you say former quarterback, you kind of think finesse player. Right. Um, but no, he will light you up, too. I mean, he will run and hit. So. Um, he had a really good week, um, but there was a Tony Fields from from uh, West Virginia had a great week. Didn't play in the game, but had a great week of practice. You know, I'm looking over at the board right now. It was uh, KJ Britt from Auburn had a great yeah. week. I think a lot of people question if KJ, you know, could stay on the field on third down or was he just a first and second down guy? And I think he answered a lot of those questions. So, um, yeah, we, Jabril Cox from LSU is another name I should mention. You know, a guy that played mostly as a nickel-type player for North Dakota State a year ago, transfers to LSU, and uh, he is exactly what the league's looking for in terms of a speed-space linebacker that can just, you know, chase from all over the fields, you know, play in coverage, handle tight ends and backs in man coverage, and, and Jabril had a great week as well. Last thing I want to ask you about, and I appreciate your time, and I think I've already extended over the – I've well, gone over the time I said I'd keep you on, so I appreciate that. But you're really good. So I always – like, I love following you, and I love hearing you in any interviews. I don't know how how familiar are you with, like, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney. What's your experience with them, and what does what do you think Washington has in those two guys now running their front office? Well, I don't need know either of them very well. I've, I've known them – I've known Marty longer. Um, they were both down here during, during the week last week. Right. So I, I – both of them here in Mobile last week. I think that what they both bring to the table is experience. You know, right. you've got you got two guys at the top of the front office that have you know have done it and done that job. They you know they obviously have a connection with the head coach, was which is imperative. I mean, I my experience before coming here was with with Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider in Seattle, and I think they're kind of the prototype in terms of that Very relationship. Much. Yeah, the, the the symbiosis there, and I think they're obviously going to have that. They wouldn't have brought those guys to Washington if they knew they couldn't work well with, with coach Ron. So um, just the experience, the comfort level, there's not going to be that feeling out process. So they should be able to, they know what coach Ron wants to play with. So there's, you know, I think they'll be able to hit the ground running and nail this draft. And, uh, and, and uh, they're both great people. Um, I've known, I've known a lot of people that have worked for both those guys over the years, and I've never heard a bad word about either one. Um, so that's good. You're bringing good people in your culture 
Um, and that that's critical. You know, that's that's very critical. So I'm excited to see where Washington's going. Jim, I like I said, I appreciate your time. A fantastic insight. And, you know, keep up the great work at the Senior Bowl. And it always produces some really good players. So and it's a great especially I think this year it was more important than ever for people to be down there. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me, John. Well, that's it for this episode. I always think of former Washington coach George Allen after the Super Bowl. And I remember hearing stories from people who were in the organization in the 1970s who would say how Allen always felt he had an advantage over the Super Bowl participants because they were two weeks ahead or so in their off-season work. So he had always made them feel better after the Super Bowl was over. So I guess that means Washington is now ahead of Tampa and Kansas City, right? Anyway. Thanks to Jim Nagy for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode Wednesday night or Thursday morning. I'll talk to you next time.